All right, how are we doing this morning? Good, good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Psalm 23, uh, we'll finish up the 23rd Psalm here uh, this morning. Um, and, and how fitting that we, are gonna, that we would sing before this uh, that Christ is enough. Because as we, uh, as we read and we walk through the last few verses here in Psalm 23, um, man, we need to be reminded of that. We, we need to know that. If, if our um, perspective of who Jesus is, who the shepherd is that we're talking about this morning isn't of that of Christ, uh, then it'll be very, very difficult uh, when we see uh, what David is going to say here uh, in, in the Psalms, in, in Psalm 23. Uh, and so I love this psalm, and one of the things I love about this psalm is that uh, in it you get to uh, just see this intimacy and closeness between uh, David and his uh, shepherd. His shepherd is God, and, and you get to see that intimacy with a lot of me and my and I type statements, and I, I just I love that about this psalm. I love that about the story, and like I said, that's very, very important to know and understand because if not, when you start to, to see what David's going to talk about this morning as we start to walk through that, um, it, it, it might turn our hearts off to. It might turn us away from, cause us to be bitter uh, toward. And so we've got to understand and know who the shepherd is, know what his heart is like and what he's for. Um, and so uh, that's, that's what we've been doing throughout this, this psalm thus far. I mean, we've walked through uh, last week and we saw where uh, he desires uh, for us to find rest and refreshment in him. Uh, that, that he has given us that opportunity to, to rest and be uh, underneath his watch care and underneath his guidance and, uh, and his desire and heart toward us is that of, uh, of rest and replenishment. And, and that's, what we, that's what we looked at uh, last, last week. And so um, I'm going to ask you if you would stand and join me like we have the last two weeks as, as we uh, stand together as, as the church and we uh, read this, this Psalm chapter 23, all six verses together as, as the body of Christ. And so I'll, I'll start us and then uh, we'll just kind of continue on and take over. And uh, let's, let's just let's read Psalm 23 starting in verse 1. It says this, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me in green pastures. He leads me beside still. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell. Father, we thank you for this sweet, sweet psalm. We thank you for inspiring David to pen this. Father, we thank you for you being the shepherd of us sheep in desperate, desperate need. Father, I pray this morning as we open up your word, as we walk through these last few verses, Father, that you would just work and do like only you can. God, that you would encourage, God, that you would assure us, that you would remind us of your love and your grace and your mercy, your provision. Father, I thank you for this time that we get to gather in this place. May you be glorified. Father, Father, may you turn hearts to you. God, if there be one that don't know you as, as Lord, as the good shepherd, Father, may, may, may today be the day of salvation for them. Father, work like only you can. Holy Spirit, you have freedom to do and act as you see fit. We love you. We need you. It's your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I just love that. I love hearing the body come together uh, and, and just read the word of God aloud and in unison like that, I don't know, it just, it just gets me amped up and fired up, which I know I don't need much of that. But anyways, um, 
So this morning what we're going to look at is this. We're just going to continue down that road of looking at the shepherd's care. We're going to walk, walk through what that looks like these last few verses um, of Psalm 23. And, and what we're going to see here is David's going to take just a, a slight little detour um, into what appears to be dark days, what appears to be uh, difficulties and, and struggles. But in that, he does not lose hope. In that, he does not uh, uh, veer away from God. He does not lose hope. He presses in all the more. And he's, he, he's still aware of God's presence He's still aware of God's desire for him uh, to flourish, and we'll see that as we, as we walk through these. So let's, let, let's just dive in. Psalm 23, starting in verse 4. This is what David says. He says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So for David, this, this very much, very well could be um, a difficult moment for him that seems like or appears to be death. It, it could be something that he has just come out of, something that maybe is uh, ever before him, and he sees it on the horizon. Um, uh, but for, for David, this is not just some like, little made-up thing. This, is, this could very well be uh, a real moment in his life, something that he is, he is very aware of, not some far-off thing down the road. Because what we know from David is that he's had some dark days. He's had some difficult days. He's had some struggles. He's had uh, some things come against him, come at him, which would appear to be almost death-like. And, and uh, God has been there through that with him. And so as he pins this, as he writes this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not just some uh, theor- theoretical type thing out there. It very well could be in this moment for him right in front of him, right there, or something that he has just come out of. And so in this threatening environment, it's just an uncomfortable, difficult day, difficult season. That's what David's talking about. That's what he's walked through. That's what he's been through. That's what this could allude to here. Just a threatening environment, uncomfortable, difficult, not good. The valley of the shadow of death. And so what, what it implies is this is intense darkness and extreme danger. Intense darkness and extreme danger is what David is alluding to. And so darkest in this context is what it would, uh, what, where it would fall to. Because it's in the darkest valley where what? The greatest dangers lurk, right? It's in the darkest valleys where you can't see, where you're unaware of, when you, when you don't know, is where the, the greatest dangers lurk. So for, for me, growing up in West Virginia, um, like I get this. Like there, there are two uh, areas where I live where there were two mountains, and if you live down in the valley of that mountain, uh, uh, depending upon how the sun was going that day, um, it, it would start to, start to set, and as it would start to set, it would get darker quicker in the valley. And, and so for us, walking through uh, about a month ago some of the Psalms of Ascent, uh, as the, the children of, of, of God would make their ascent to Jerusalem to worship God, they would have to walk through some of these dark valleys where there would be places where thieves and criminals and, and, and people that was uh, desiring to hurt them could, could hide and kind of tuck away. So, so as David writes this and pins this, these type of things are on his mind, on his heart. He, he can see and he can understand like, like dark days. But as we read Psalm 23 here, what, what I want to allude to real fast is, is but a shadow. It, it's but a shadow of death. It's not death itself, at least not yet it's not, but it's a shadow of death. And so this could be a physical struggle. It could be a spiritual battle because David had been through some stuff, hadn't he? He had wrestled with some things. He had had difficulties and battles in his life. He had had darkness uh, overtake him for a time. There's been things that has happened in David's life. And so as he pins this, I just think about us. The same will prove true for us, will it not? That we will have to walk through in our life some dark, difficult days. 
there's no way around it. There's no way around just the world we live in, right? It's broken. It's fallen. There are difficult days that we will have to navigate through. And in the moment, it might feel like death. In the moment, it might seem like death. In the moment, it may even be wishing for or praying for death. But look at David's fortitude, even in this dark moment. Even in uh, this valley that he is living in, he says this. He says, I will fear no evil. So he's not afraid. It does not stir in him this anxiousness of fear. It does not stir in him even though evil is lurking, evil is there. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't get him to respond in a way of bringing about fear and, and being scared. There are things that are there that, that he's not aware of, that he can't see, that, that, could be, uh, that could be traps or could be things that could get him and, and even to the point of threatening his life. But the response to that is not fear. He's not fearful. I mean, what, what a statement, is it not? I mean, to, to live in a day and an age and knowing good and well that, that his life could be taken in a moment, it does not stir fear in him. We live in a day where it seems like everything stirs fear in us. Everything causes us to be anxious. Everything uh, uh, strikes fear in our hearts, worry in our hearts. And I'm not trying to downplay what we go through or what we have to face or what we have to battle. But David here, walking through a valley, the shadow of death, his response to that is not fear. It's not fear. And this could be physical death for him, but it doesn't bring up fear in his heart. And so I was thinking, like, what's greater than physical death? What, what is worse than, than, than literally dying? What would cause us to fear more than that in that moment? But David doesn't land a fear. David does not go down the road of fear. And, and, and look, at, look at why. He says, for you are with me. For you are with me. So, so the, evil, the evil that comes for us is not greater than the one that cares for us. You hear me? The, the, the evil that may be lurking in the shadows of death is not, not greater than the one that cares for us, the one that, that leads us through it. It is not greater than, than our shepherd, not even the, the, the death there is, or the ability to, to, to take us. The ability to, to take David's life is, it does not strike for anyone because he has his shepherd. His shepherd is with him. He is ever-present and aware of his sheep. He knows his sheep, and he knows the threats that are there. And he is in the presence and in the middle with David, and he is not worried. He does not have fear. There is great comfort and confidence in the fact that he is there in the middle of that. So, so let's, let's chat for a second because the valley of the shadow of death may very well lead to death. It may very well lead to death. And so just a little perspective that I, that I want to uh, share with us this morning, that, that even if it does, the thing that we need to remember and know is that our shepherd's with us even in the middle of that. Even in our last breath, our shepherd will be there with us, for us. If, if something horrific happens or something horrific comes for us, that our shepherd will not leave us, he will not forsake us. And for us, as his sheep of his pasture, what we need to know and understand is this, is that even in death we live. And I would argue from what I see and know of the scriptures is that, is that we get to live far more than what we're living right now in a place called eternity. Eternity. 
And so even if death is and comes for, we as his sheep win. We as his sheep win. And see, I think that's why, that's why the Apostle Paul struggled so much with, should I stay here or should I, uh, I wish to be dead so I can be in the presence of my, of my God with my God, but, but they really need me here now. And so in, in Paul's heart, there's this struggle. Yeah, like, like I, I want to be here and I know, I, 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 but I really want to be with him. I really want to be in his presence. I really want to be with my God, with my Savior, with my King. That's really, but if he sees fit for me to stay, then I guess I'll stay. I mean, who walks around living like that? I mean, that's a man that death does not strike fear in the heart of. I mean, we fight for life with everything in us. And Paul was struggling. Paul was struggling to be wanting to even stay here because he understood and he knew what eternity held for him. He understood and he knew that his shepherd would be there with him and for him. And so he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. And then he says this, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So, so comfort here in this moment, it's not a hug or it's not like, come here, buddy. And it's not a picking us up. It's, not a, it, it, it's something different than that. It's, it's a confidence in that he has me. It's a security in that he's got me. He, he has a, a rod and a staff, and he uses those to protect, defend, and discipline. That's what he does with his sheep. That's what he does for his sheep. He protects he, he disciplines and he defends. And so his sheep are comforted by his rod and his staff. And the thing about a rod, the rod was actually a club. And the shepherd would use this club to, to beat off or defend the sheep, to, uh, to scare away uh, threats or, or, or animals or things like that that would come in to try to overtake or to try to uh, 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 kill the sheep. And so he would step in with his club and he would, he would begin to defend, he would begin to fight for, he would begin to, uh, uh, to, to ward off the enemy. And so as our shepherd, that's what he does. He steps in and fights for us. Every time, always, he steps in and he fights for us. And so the staff that he carries would, would sometimes have this shepherd's crook. And, and what it is is at the end of the staff, it would be this real long bent piece of wood on it that, that was kind of, kind of bent. And what he would do is he would use that staff that if a sheep would start to stray off, he would ever so slightly get his, get his staff with the crook in it and he would hold it out and he would, he would kind of wrap it around the shoulder and neck area and he would kind of just guide it right back onto the path that he had set for the sheep to go. So, so, so he would help guide them whenever they started to try to get off, when they started to kind of wander off. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but I know me, if there's anything like shiny or kind of like, like glitzy over here, I'm like, ah, what's this? Let's go just, and, and so the shepherd ever so subtly is just like, nah, Scott, I'm back over here. This is the path. But God, have you not seen how awesome? Look at that. Let's just go see. And so sometimes he has to use force. Greater than just that little guiding, he'll put it around and he'll, he'll, he'll pull back onto the path to keep, keep the sheep heading in the direction that they need to go. And so he uses that crook to bring that sheep back into line. And so it just symbolizes God's discipline in our life. Like we, we need discipline in our life. When we start to go astray, when we start to veer off, when we start to focus on things that aren't of the utmost importance, when we start to chase after things that this world throws at us or shows us, he ever so slightly just guides us right back the whole time protecting, defending, and disciplining us because we're his sheep and he cares for and he loves. 
He doesn't want to see us run off and get hurt or get injured or, or, or break a leg or have something, something like that happen. He, he, he guides us back. He cares for. And he goes on in verse 5 and he says this. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And what it's saying is just simply this, is that God prepares and he provides. God prepares and provides for his sheep. And so this is just a picture of how, how God honors at his banquet. And, and even in the midst of our enemies, he honors and he prepares and he puts forth. And, and he goes on a little bit further and he says, you anoint my head with oil. And, and what this is a picture of, his, his provision and his providing on top of that is, is his favor. It, we have God working for and in and with and doing for our good and for his glory. That's what this is a picture of. You anoint my head with oil. Uh, uh, God, God shows his favor. God, God has his hand upon me. God is working and doing in my life, even in the midst of, even in the difficulties, even in the struggle. God is for me. That's what this is saying, that, that God is for his sheep, always and forever. Everything that he does is for his glory and for our good. Every time. He goes on, he says this, he says, my cup overflows. So as God's sheep, what happens is our cup runs over. The cup running over here, what it does is just, it indicates that God supplies our needs abundantly. God gives us, to us abundantly. And so what I would press us for this morning, church, is this, is that God's blessing and favor on us is not for us to hoard, not for us to keep, not for us just to use on ourselves, hey, it's mine, no, no, you can't have any, like we as Christians, we as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't be selfish. We shouldn't hoard. We shouldn't keep to our own. We should be the most sharing, the most giving, the most kind, the most gracious people on the planet. Because we understand that it's not us that, that does it. It's not us that, that, that does it for ourselves or we just happen to stumble into it. No, it's God's provision and providing. So, so why would I not want to give away more? Why would I not want to share? Why would I not want to uh, allow God to use me in such a way as to, as to bless other people? Yeah, but they, what if they don't deserve it? Like, like I, know, I know the argument. Like, like, what if, like, Scott, that sounds great and that sounds good, but, I mean, like, do you know people out there? And my response is yes, because I know me. I know what I'm like. I know what I was like before he got me. And I know that I did nothing of myself to attract him to get me. That's what's so beautiful about grace. He just comes for. No rhyme or no reason on my part. I mean, I've got nothing to offer. I've got nothing to bring to. I mean, even on my best day, I'm a bum. Apart from him. So I have nothing to hold over for myself. I have nothing to brag about. I have nothing to be boastful about. I have nothing to, to cling to. If, if I've got something, it's not mine. I've done nothing to earn it or deserve it or work hard enough to get it. It's all by the grace and mercy of God that I'd have anything. So it just blows my mind when, when the people of God are selfish and stingy. As if like we've done something to accumulate and to have and to get. I, I, mean, I mean, there's a creator of the universe that allows for us. Well, but you don't, you, I mean, I studied really, really hard. You may have studied really, really hard, but you know who gave you the brain to retain? Yeah, yeah, not you. God did that. Or, well, I'm really, really good at math. Well, I'm, I'm not. That's why we've got other people that count stuff and do stuff around here. I'm not. The reason why you're really, really good at math is because 
God created and made you that way. He, he's wired you that way. He's given you that way. He's, he's done that in you. Nothing of yourself that you can boast for. So, so God's blessing is not to be hoarded. We, we need to share and give away God's abundance of blessing in our life, whether that be physical, meaning time, giving our time. That, that, that's why we're so big on discipleship. It's because, honest to goodness, the most precious thing that you have here this morning is your time. The thing that you will never get one second back is your time. So some of the greatest, the greatest investment that you have is time with others. And, and so we shouldn't hoard our, it's not my time. God has given me, God has allowed me to have, God has put the breath in my lungs. So as precious as my time is, I should be willing to give it away. I should be willing to invest in others. Whether that's spending time with, that's whether that's uh, discipling and walking, walking alongside with, modeling what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, whatever that may, just giving a helping hand to move some stuff, to do some stuff, whatever that may be, whatever that looks like the physical side of it. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's financial side of stuff. I mean, I, I, love, I love the story in Acts 2 where anytime a need arose, they would sell whatever they had just so that, that people's needs could be met. I mean, what if out of the abundance of what God's done and given to us, we live that way? What, what, what would the church be like? I, I just always go back to what would this place look like and be like, how would this community be forever shaken if we as the church live like that? Generous, open-handed, it's not mine. Here, God has done this, so I'm going to give it back. I'm going to give it away. He's, he's just given it to me. He's just lended it to me so I can give it to other people. And the crazy thing that I've learned in my life is the more you give away, the more he gives you. No, no that's not my heart or desire, and that should never be our heart and desire. But you've heard it, you can't outgive God. You can't. He has it all. And that's what's mind-blowing. Like, his math does not work like our math does. Ever. And the more he gives you, and the more we can give away and we can serve. And so my question for you is this. Are, are you sharing or doing something for others with what God has done for, done for you and blessed you with? Are you doing that? Are you living that way? Maybe the reason why your cup's not overflowing is because you're you're stingy and you're hoarding it for yourself. And that spring will run dry. That spring will run dry. And, and I know the arguments, man, we're busy. We are the most busy people ever, and we've got the most technology to help us not be busy than we've ever had. So let's not get how all that works. But we're the most busy, do, do, do stuff that, that we just, we, I just don't, I mean, I'd love to be generous. I'd love to be, I just don't have time. But we have time for everything else, and we prioritize what's most important for us. And maybe the problem is, is we're not prioritizing right. So the argument of busyness doesn't, doesn't work, or, or I mean, I just, don't, I just don't have very much. But what I've learned is that everybody in this room has a little bit more than someone else. And you don't have to have much to give much away. You don't have to have much. Well, I'll just wait till God starts to give and starts to bless, and start, then I'll start to... God's not going to bless that heart, that mentality. Where's the faith in that? Okay, God, I'll, I'll start doing whenever you start, and then, then I'll, it doesn't work. Where's, where's the faith and the trust and the dependency on God? And so I, um, this week, uh, in my reading and in my studying, I, I came across a kind of an illustration on this, and um, Louis, Louis Giglio, a pastor in Atlanta, had, had preached a sermon uh, along this line, and, and so I was just kind of reading and studying and listening and 
uh, found his, his sermon and listened to a little bit of it, and there was this illustration, and so I just, I just I stole the illustration. I liked it. Uh, it just it kind of resonated in my heart, and I hope it does yours too, but um, th- this illustration uh, was, was simply this. There's a table in the middle of the sanctuary, and what he did is he says that there, there is this table that God prepares for us, prepares for me in the presence of my enemies. Now, looking around, we're good? Yeah, we're good. Okay, I, I, don't, like, I don't think you're my enemy. It might, maybe after this, I know I took some seats and I'm, I'll, anyways, but, um, uh, so I don't, I don't, you're just going to be my enemies for a few minutes. You're not really, and so we'll just, we'll, we'll work past that. But, but um, just to kind of uh, uh, illustrate what he was talking about, or what, what was being said here as he, as he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies, I just thought it would be, would be good because what, what he could have done is he could have prepared a table anywhere, Right? He didn't have to prepare a table right in the presence of all of the, the craziness, all of those who are coming against me, all of those who, uh, who are enemies and, and want to, to hurt me or to harm me or to overthrow me or to, or to even maybe take my life or take who knows what. I mean, he could have prepared the table literally anywhere, right? He's God and he's able, but he doesn't. He, he prepares the table in the presence of. Though he has the opportunity and ability to do whatever he sees fit, whenever he sees fit, he chooses not to. But what he does is in preparing that table, he has made. He has made some provisions. He has done some things for me that even in the midst of the chaos, the craziness, the evil that pursues, or the evil that has surrounded, he has done some things for me, y'all. He has done some things for you as his sheep in the presence of your enemies, preparing the table. I mean, my goodness, look at the table. I mean, I've got some fruit if I need fruit. Well, that's going to give nourishment. That's going to give strength. I've got some water to replace. Actually, I'm kind of uh, got a little dry mouth going on right now. I've got that little cough thing that Blake and them have. Um, uh, so, man, don't mind if I do. Thanks. You know? So, so he knows what I need, when I need it, and he prepares. Ah, my God, it's so good. Doozies. I mean, who doesn't want a doozy? Doozies are I mean, I've got, I've got some other cookies here. I mean, I've got some, some, some ham and turkey and cheese. Ah, my God knows me, doesn't he? A little Coke action. And he also gives me a doctor if I need it, you know? So, I mean, he's, he's got me. He has pre- prepared a table before me. So, so he has made and he has done and he has given and he has blessed and he has made. Grape, don't mind if I do. He has done all of this for me, even in the presence of the craziness that pursues the craziness that is there. He has made, he has equipped, and he has put, put there for me, for me, in the midst of. He's done that. So enemy, enemy, can be, enemy can be a number of things, can it not? I mean, enemy can be physical. I mean, it, it, could, be, it could be somebody uh, at your work that's just crazy and they just act ridiculous and they just keep coming at you, and they just want to uh, uh, upend you, or they want to whatever the case may be, and so they're just, man, I just cannot get around this person. Or maybe enemy, maybe enemy in your house is a, is a spouse right now. Like, he's went crazy, or he acts like a fool, or he what, whatever the case may be. Maybe it's her. Maybe she's the problem. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's kids. Man, cannot kids be, oh, is that not a battle? Uh, you laugh because you know it's true. Uh, many a time, right? A kid can, and so maybe that's what appears to be the enemy right now that says, Listen, they don't get it. Or maybe you have a kid that's a prodigal right now that's, that's living in, in a way that's, that's anti, 
of how you loved and cared for and walked with. Or, or maybe, maybe something else. Maybe, maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's dark days of, of cancer. Or some sort of a sickness or some sort of worry or some sort of a health, a health scare or, or, or something with the health that has come. Maybe that's the enemy right now that, that, that's kind of come upon you. You don't, know what the, you don't know what the days look like, you don't know what the days hold, or, you don't, or, or, or maybe you just got the, uh, got the news of. By the way, we got uh, Miss Denise back here with us after I mean, her bout with cancer. Yeah. <laughs> got up this in church who has just battled and fought. And as I preach this, I mean, I think of her and her heart and her and her perseverance in this and leaning in on the Lord and sharing and bragging on God, even in the midst of that battle with her cancer and God delivering and working through. So maybe, maybe, maybe it's a physical or, or, or maybe, maybe it's a spiritual darkness. Maybe it's a spiritual enemy that you're battling right now. But like, like in, the, in the scriptures, the picture that's painted of Satan is that of an enemy, right? He, he's an enemy. He's a foe. In uh, First Peter 5, it talks about how he's, he's like, Lion prowling around, looking to, to whom he can devour. Who, who can he destroy? Who can he upend? Who can he, who can he go for? So, so he's pictured, Satan, our enemy, is pictured uh, like a roaring lion, like just prowling around, like, like uh, who, can I, who can I come for? What can I do? Uh, what, what's happening? What, how, how can I? Mm. How y'all doing? Here, just, all right, okay, perfect. Hey, doing all right? Really married? Yeah, Probably tough to live with a dude like that, isn't it? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why you're doing it. I really don't. I would, you know, that there's so many other little things that he could be doing better or that you could, I know you're just, I mean, you're fresh into this. I know we're kind of still in the honeymoon, but, oh, man, men are just different. You know, women are such a struggle, dude. My gosh. I bet she's tough to live with. I bet she's, all, no, well, you just haven't got in there long enough yet. You hang tight coming dude i mean i'm sure she's like man why you put your socks on the floor they're supposed to go on the hamper and you're supposed to and i bet you never pick up after yourself i bet you don't pick up after yourself everybody no Mm-mm, he's a dude I know. I know you know there's men out there that do pick up after themselves and so he he's an enemy i mean i mean they're married to summer it doesn't take long to like one little thing one little crack one little crevice I mean, and that could be anywhere. It could be in your marriage. It could be at work. It could be uh, with a kid. It could be uh, any circumstance or any situation. And he is just looking for that little crack, looking for that little, little opportunity to just dive in and to just go after and to try to cause a wedge and to try to uh, disrupt and disturb and hurt and, 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 and mess up. I mean, they're still in the honeymoon stage and he's going to come after. Every time I do premarital counseling, all, every, time, every time I say, I don't know why, but the moment you put a ring on that finger and you say, I do, all hell is going to break loose. All hell's going to break. It's, just going to, it's going to happen. Why? Because Satan hates marriage. He hates two believers being together, husband and wife. He hates that. And if you're going to live for Jesus as husband and wife, he's coming for you, man. He, he, he wants to destroy. He wants to break up. He wants to hurt. He wants to harm. He wants to put those ridiculous, crazy thoughts in our head. And he, he doesn't love you like he said he would. Or he, I mean, he, just, he, wa- he, wa- he needs to be working more. He needs to be doing this boy. Or her, my gosh, what she does is this. Nag, 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 nag. Man, my socks, my socks are fine there for three days. It's okay. And yeah, baby, I'm going to get to it. Six months. I got a six-month window to, to change that air filter thing. Just, you don't need to remind me every day and put 
reminders on my phone. I'm going to get to it. Now, am I getting to it? Like, when we sign the thing, it's like, i got a lifetime to do this, so just hang tight. But, but I mean, it, he, he looks for and he goes after it. It doesn't have to be with a marriage. I mean, it can be anywhere, can it? I mean, it can be absolutely anywhere. But he's, he's a prowling line, a prowling line roaming around, looking to devour, looking to destroy. And so he wants to cause havoc to us. In turn, it goes against the heart of God. He wants to go after God. And the way that he goes after God is he goes after his sheep. Why else would we need a shepherd? Because there's something coming for us, something coming at us. And, and, and he knows that if, if he can get us, he can get to the heart of God. He knows if he can cause turmoil, he can get to the heart of God. But what does he do? He prepares a table for us. Even in the midst of, even in the presence of our enemies. He prepares and he sets up and he makes and he gives us the good gift of cantaloupe. Oh, man, cantaloupe. She acting crazy. Oh, man. But he's getting in the scriptures that I need to do better of being more like him in this marriage. Being more like him at my work. Being more like him uh, with my kids. Being more like him every Oh, man, it's just refreshing in this moment. I can just keep growing. But he gives us what we need. That table, even in the presence and in the midst of our enemies. We, we've got to be careful. We've got to guard this. It's so important that, that, that we guard this because this table has two seats. And I did that intentionally because the seat that he's prepared for me in the midst of my enemies at this table, the seat that is occupied here is with my shepherd. He is the one that has the privilege and honor of sitting in that seat. But, but as you saw a second ago, and what can happen so quickly and so easily is this, is that the unwanted enemy can real fast pull up a chair, can he? And he can try to just nestle his little way in, and he can try to just come at and remind us and say, hey, man, come on. Don't mind if I do. Take me a little bit of this too, man. You guys are you drinking over there? That's good. Water, cheers. So, it's not going as great as what you thought it would, is it? I see what's happening at work. Do you know how crazy your boss is? Those coworkers you have are, oh, my gosh, man. I don't know how you do it. Jeez, love some, thanks. And he'll begin to eat, and he'll begin to make his way at the table, and he'll, he'll start to get comfortable, and if we're not careful, we'll allow him to nestle in, and we'll allow him, if we're not, if we're not cautious, if we're not careful, if, if we're not focused on our shepherd, if we're not being guided by and, and in and with and listening to the voice of our shepherd. Because the enemy, he, he's got a voice. And, and that's the thing about the voice of the enemy. What I've learned in my life is that this voice can sometimes almost sound like this voice. Because there's enough of me still in me that, that wants some of the things that, that he says even though the shepherd has said, no, 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 that's not good for you. No, 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 you, you don't, okay, I've, that's why he's only put, like I, like, I don't want just one Dr. Pepper and Coke. Like, like, when I, like I, I need at least, 
I need at least 24 to 48 ounces, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm a drinker, man. I get thirsty, and that sugar gives me the rush, and I, I like it, and I want it, and, I, and I'll overindulge in it, and I'll, I'll go, I mean, and I'll be up for the next 12 hours. And I'll do stuff because, man, it just appeals to the flesh in that moment. And his voice, his voice, I can let sound like that of the shepherd if I'm not careful. But the shepherd's voice, when we stop and we listen as his sheep, it's never a scream, it's never a yell, it's always this still, small, subtle voice of a good father calling for his children, of a good shepherd wooing his sheep back in, walking with and telling of and talking with. And so we have got to guard. We have got to guard against what the enemy says because he's looking for. And he's going to mimic sometimes that so closely of what the shepherd says. So we have to we have to be seeking and walking after and listening and having eyes and heart to hear what the shepherd says. And we need to remember that, that, that he has prepared, that, that he has provided for us physically and spiritually. And so the shepherd doesn't just prepare, but he, he is there with us. The shepherd, Jesus is the shepherd, and he is with us everywhere, every time, with us, telling us what we need to hear, guiding us and directing us, disciplining us, encouraging us, walking along. We're in the presence of our enemies, and he is there with us. Why, why would he prepare the table in the middle of all this? Right? You would think, like, get me away from it. Get, get me out of it. Get my enemies away. Get me out of the presence of it. Get me as far away as I can go. But he drops us in the middle of it. Why does he do that? Because when he does that for us, he can move us. But he doesn't. It's because he has a purpose even in the middle of the craziness, even in the middle of the evil, even in the middle of the enemy. Because where does he get the most glory? In the darkest of days, does he not? But if everything's always going great and always good and everything's working out just like, where, where, does, he get, where does he get, what glory is that? But, but it's when his sheep walk through the valley of the shadow of death. When his sheep in the presence of their enemies are delivered by the shepherd. When his sheep are provided for, are cared for, have everything they need, even in the presence of their enemies. Who gets glory? Not the sheep. God gets glory. Look at what, it, it makes no sense that we'd make it out of that moment. It makes no sense that we'd make it out of that situation. It would make no sense that he would, he would allow us to, to come through that. And then what we do is we turn back and we give glory to the one that has delivered us. We give glory to the one who has provided and who has sustained and who has done. That's what he does. Is he works in the middle of the mess and the chaos and the craziness and the nastiness to pull us out to guide us, to shape us, to mold us. And when he does, he gets glory. Oh yeah, by the way, he anoints my head. In the midst of that, he'll anoint my head. His favor will be upon me. His hand will be upon me to lead me and guide me, even in the presence of all this. As he's prepared, as he's done, he, he, he even gives more. His presence, his favor is there. My cup overflows. Man, I have an abundance. That's even in the middle of my enemies. I, I have an abundance. You know, I was joking with you about the dudes. But here, take one. You need one. 
just take one. It's good. I mean, this is not like a trick. Like, oh, here, I'll just set it right there. You can use it later. <laughs> I, know that, I know this crew will take Here, little cookie. There you go. Yep. Here you go. Yeah. There you go. You're like, I won't let, tell Dad. Take two. No, I'm just joking. Don't take two. I'm saying, here, you need one. I know it, yeah. Ah, oh, here, just pass this. God has been so good to me, and he has, even in the middle of the, I just want to, here, y'all, take and enjoy. After service. It'll get lively down here in front of us as we close out, won't it? But, but see, that's what, it's, it's not just my table just for me. Just to, oh, man, look at all God's done. Look at all God's given. Look at all. It's, it's, man, I need to share. I need to give my cup over. Even in the middle, in the presence of my enemies, he's prepared and he's done and he's provided. And, and he's, still giving, he's still giving more and he's still doing more. And what do I do? I just keep it to myself. No. I can give it away. I can share. That's what God does. He provides and he guides and he sustains and he keeps. And in the middle of that, he's pouring out his blessing. He's pouring out his provision. He's pouring out his guidance. And as he does that, we need, we need to continue to, we need to give it away. We need to give it away. And so the table is in the middle of the enemy. And of the enemy so that God gets more glory and honor out of that. God gets more glory and more honor out of that when the circumstance and situation seems impossible. It's him. And then he goes on and he says this in verse 6. And, and, and look, look at what he says as we, as we wind down. He says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. See, see the word... Follow here in, in this scripture is actually a very, very strong word, which means to pursue. Surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. Like, like, like don't, don't miss that. Get your head and get your mind and get your heart around that. The, the, the final picture is that of, of sheep, right? We're, we're sheep. The shepherd is leading out in front. And as, as goodness and mercy, as he's out leading in front, the shepherd, goodness and mercy is in hot pursuit of us our whole lifetime. Goodness and mercy is pursuing us and coming after us our whole life until he calls us home. Goodness and mercy is, is, is hot on our heels, nipping at us, trying to get to us. That's the picture that's being painted here. God's leading and we're following. And as we're following, goodness and mercy is just, is just, is just coming for us. And he says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, see God's sheep will dwell with the shepherd Forever. In the New Testament, what this alludes to is, is as God's house, it refers to, to, to the church, but it's the picture of God's presence. It's a picture of, of, of being at the place where God dwells. It's this picture of being in his presence forever, always. So it's not just like an eternal thing, like whenever our life is taken and we, we cross over. Like, like, like we get the presence of God now. As his sheep, we have access to him we, we, we are not just citizens of this world, but we're citizens of another world. We're, we're just passing through. We, 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 we have the shepherd always and forever, his presence with us. There's never a moment in our life as his sheep that he is not right there with us in the middle of whatever it is. Good, bad, ugly, whatever it may be, that, that we do not have access to him at that moment. And so that's the picture that David's painting. That's what he's saying. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil. He's with me. He's prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And they can say whatever. They can do whatever. They can, they can come after me. But in order to get me, they've got to go through my shepherd. And my shepherd's not going to allow anything through that he doesn't know that will work for my good and for his glory. And even in that, he's going to work and do. And he's going to pour out even in the midst of. 
goodness and mercy as his sheep is going to just pursue me and come after me all the days of my life. And by the way, I'm going to get to dwell in his house forever. His presence is going to be with me forever and for always. That's the promise that we see in Psalm 23. That's what David is reflecting on. So as the band comes back up, I don't know, I don't know where you're at this morning in this place. Uh, we've got new faces in here. We've got uh, a number of things that's just going on in people's lives this week. Man, man, the crazy thing is, as I prepare to preach this, I'm just reminded of as some different things has happened in, just in this week and how God, even in the midst of, of craziness and chaos and, and trying to take down or take out, uh, that God still is, is faithful and good and provides. And so I don't, I don't know what you brought in this place this morning. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what, what's stirring in your heart. But, but where I would land for the invitation this morning is this, that there's a shepherd. That, that, that's the good news about Psalm 23, that there is a shepherd that, that wants sheep. And, and we're the sheep that he wants. And so the question I would ask is this, are you his sheep? Do you belong to the shepherd? And I, and I don't mean, yeah, I know a little bit about him. Yeah, I know, I know some stuff. I can quote a Bible verse here and there. I mean, like, 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 do you hear his voice, sheep? That's the kind of sheep I'm, I'm asking you this morning. Like, are you really his? Not, not, yeah, I was a kid once, and we did this little thing, and a skit, and it's, and I'm, no, 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 do you know the shepherd is what I'm asking. I mean, like, I, like I, I know some people in life, but if I show up at their door this morning, I get hauled away to jail. So though I may think I know them, I don't know them. That's what I'm asking here. Do you, do you know the shepherd? Do you hear his voice? Does he know you as one of his sheep? Does he know you as one of his sheep? If you say no, you know what the good news is? If you answer no to that question, the good news is this, is that, is that he's here this morning calling. He... You're not here by accident. You're not here by some mistake. Whatever you're going through in your life right now, I don't know how realistic that was or was not or, or what it hit or didn't hit. It wasn't by chance or accident. You happen to gather in this place this morning with Psalm 23. And maybe he's done that to show you, hey, I know what you're going through. I, I know what happens. I'm aware of, but I want you to know I'm, I'm, I'm a shepherd and I want sheep, and I want you to be my sheep, and all you have to do is come. All you have to do is lay down yourself before me. Your faith, place it all on what I've done for you. As the Savior of the world, went to the cross, took your sin and your shame upon myself, and I paid a debt that you'll never, ever be able to pay. Okay, how hard you work, or how much time you put in, or how sweet and nice you are, or how... None of that will work. Because it's not based on what you can do. It's based on who he is and what he's already done. And it's whether or not do you have a relationship with him. Have you entered into relationship through faith? And so maybe this morning you're here and you're like, hey, this is the first time I've heard the, she the shepherd, the sheep. Huh? I need a shepherd. And if that's you, man, we, we are here. We want to pray with you. We want to talk to you more. Next week we're going to uh, share a story as we celebrate 17 years of God's goodness and faithfulness. We're going to share an amazing, amazing story. You're going to be here next week for that. Of, of God doing that very thing I'm talking about right now, wooing a sheep in. Had, had heard, had known a little bit, had, and God just, God just saves. So maybe that's you this morning. If so, we'd love to talk to you more about it. What it means to have him as your shepherd. And if you are his sheep, just remember you have access to what we looked at, what we talked about, not just today, but these last three weeks. You've got a shepherd. And lift your head up. 
There is rest and there is provision and there is, there is goodness in this shepherd every time and always. We need to remember that. We need to, we need to look at the shepherd. We need to remember that he has prepared for us a table. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, whatever difficulty or struggle or hardship, whatever it may be, you need to know that you don't have nothing to fear. Because the, the evil one cannot touch you. Without him knowing and being there even in the midst of that, working and doing even in the midst of that. I think of, I think of the story of Job. Man, I think of the story of Job. Satan approaches the throne and says, ah, who, who can I go? And, and, and God says, hey, have you thought of my servant Job? God points to Job. And he's just like, yeah, but God, that, it's only because you're protecting and you're providing and you're doing all this stuff. And you know what? God said, hey, I'll take, it all, I'll take it all off. Just don't take his life. And what does Job do? Job still worships God. Job still serves God. Job still loves God and everything's taken. Everything's taken. But the nagging wife, I just don't get that. But anyways, and he still worships God. He still loves God. He still seeks and pursues God. And what does God do? God eventually restores, right? But God's aware, and God's in the midst, and God's working. So if you're one of his sheep, you just need to know that you have access to all of that. Everything that we've seen in Psalm 23, you have got a shepherd that loves you and cares for you. He's going to make you lie down in green pastures and give you the rest that you need. He's going to lead you beside those still waters that's going to bring about peace. He's going to restore your soul. Run to him if you're living in sin, if you're rebelling, if you're, you're, you're not living like he would call you to live or he'd expect you to live. He's going to restore your soul. Run to him. He's going to lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you have nothing to fear. Why? Because he's going to be right there in the midst of it with you. He's preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He's doing that for you in the presence of your enemies. He's providing and giving and doing even in difficult, uncomfortable situations. He's going to anoint you and he's going to bring an overflow of blessing to your life. Sheep, look to your shepherd. Remember what the shepherd has done. Remember who the shepherd is. Remember what he is capable of. He loves you and he cares for you. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but I know this. The altar's open. Jimmy and I will be here. We'd love to talk to you more about any of the stuff that we've shared this morning. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to do whatever it is that God has pressed upon your heart. But you be obedient in this moment to follow him as they lead us. If you want to know more about what it means to be a, a sheep of this shepherd, mean to have a relationship with him, we'd love to talk. Love to pray. Whatever it is, you be obedient to God in this moment. Father, we love you. We need you. We thank you. Father, I just pray this morning that you would move like only you can. God, this is for your glory. God, thank you for this sweet, sweet reminder in your word that we have a shepherd who cares, who knows, who is aware, and who is actively working and pursuing us to help us live in a way that brings the shepherd glory and honor. For our good, your glory. Shall we pray? Amen. If you'd stand, like I said, we're here. You be obedient.